Welcome back to The Veterinary Optimist. I'm your host, Jennifer Evans. You know, while we're on this break between seasons, we're using this time to look back at some optimistic insights from our guest on season one. Today, our focus is inspirational stories of growth. Our first clip comes from episode five with Vanessa Huizar. In her story, she talks about going from vet assistant to LBT to eventually specializing in dentistry. Let's listen in as she talks about finding her passion in the world of dentistry. So tell mm-hmm. me what you decided to do because now you're a licensed mm-hmm. vet tech, you're working in specialty. Where, what, what's your next step right now at this point? So at this step, so I started as a specialty hospital and I, at that time we were all cross-trained across the board. We were to different departments, everything. Um, but I loved dentistry. Mm. Dentistry was my jam from the beginning. I knew that I could, um, you know, for me, being able to do, I'm not good at sitting still. So dentistry, I'm the one doing the x-rays. I'm, you know, doing the cleaning. I'm charting. And I need my doctor to come in and evaluate and do surgery. But there's so much I can do hands-on. I feel like I was making such a difference. And I can see what I was doing because dentistry is instant gratification. I can see how quickly I clean those teeth. It's funny you say that because you we do talk about instant gratification in, mm-hmm. in vet medicine a lot. Like we all want the Water. toenails yes. that need to be clipped. Yes. <laughs> like, well, we would almost like, like, like go to war over who gets to trim those gets nails. The good nails because trim. that is an instant gratification. And I love that you found that lane because when I was in clinic, like I, I just, I'm being honest here. Dentistry was not <laughs> my jam, right? Like I just wasn't, it wasn't my mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. I did love cracking tartar. Yeah. And, and I did love like helping with the incisors that were only packed in with like the hair that uh-huh. was in there. But beyond that, you really do, to find a love for it, like you really do have to find that that mm-hmm. is your passion. Yes. And there, there are quite a few technicians that really enjoy being at the dental table. Mm-hmm. And I just love that you found that lane yeah. and decided to follow it because you, this is when you're working, what year is it when you're working at the specialty clinic? I started there in 2013. Okay. So you had been a technician at this point for, you know, five years, five years yeah. in, in, you get here and now you've realized now you're ready to take another step. You mm-hmm. found this dentistry. So what did you do next? So I, you know, basically what I did is I ran with it. I stayed in the dentistry department. I was like, okay, this is where I want to be. I know. And I started learning as much as I could. Started attending CEs. You know, every specialty specialty in veterinary medicine has a conference. If you search for it, you can find a behavior conference. You can find a dentistry conference. You can find a surgery conference. You know, so I found the dentistry one, and I was like, that's where I need to go. And so that was my first step was making sure I went to that conference that following year. At that conference, I really started, in, like, learning about the veterinary technician specialist, mm. so becoming a VTS. And I was like, hmm, that sounds like the next step, you know, because, I mean, I'm not one who likes to sit down. I'm always want to learn or, you know, do the next thing. And for me, that was becoming a specialist in the thing that I love and learning as much as I could. And so I became a VTS in dentistry in 2018. I got pinned and everything like that. You know, a couple of things happen when I listen back to some of these episodes. One, it becomes increasingly clear that I'm from the South and have a little bit of an accent. And two, I almost get re-inspired all over again. You know, as technicians in clinic, we can sometimes face what's called the ceiling effect, where we feel like we've grown so much and there's nowhere else to go. 
And the reason why Vanessa's story is so important is because she found a lane where she was truly passionate and she chose to take it to the next level. And the thing about specializing in dentistry is it just affords so many other opportunities. Like even now, Vanessa still works in clinics some days. She presents at conferences. She is flown to different clinics in different areas to continue teaching. And for her, that continuously gives her something new to do and adds so many more options to her future in veterinary medicine. I encourage any technician who has a passion, whether it's behavioral, dentistry, anesthesia, or anything along those lines, to look into specializing because the opportunities are endless when you continue your growth in those areas. If you haven't listened to Vanessa's entire episode, go back because even when I re-listened, it was hard to scale down and extract those clips out. Pun intended. Okay, let's move on. Next up, we're going back to episode 11 where Ashley Kalikanakis, the CEO of Torigen, talks about her time in college at Notre Dame when she was working on her final project, which ended up turning into an opportunity to build an amazing company at such a young age at that. So let's take a minute to listen in to the clip I excised from her episode. And that's really where, you know, veterinary medicine really came to be. So from our perspective, it was, okay, wait, we have this technology, it's ready to go, it's ready to be packaged out, and we have a market opportunity. You know, 4 million dogs and 4 million cats are diagnosed with cancer each year. Over 50% of all dogs over the age of 10 die from cancer. Uh, cancer affects one in every four dogs. I mean, you know, the statistics keep going on and on in order to really say that this is a huge market problem. And then if you add in the fact that 90% of owners after a cancer diagnosis do not go onwards to see a veterinary oncologist, what we're left with is this huge disparity between diagnosis and what the actual treatment is going to be. So we really said like, okay, with this technology, we think we can close that gap. We think that not only can we have more pets treated after a cancer diagnosis, we can really bring immunotherapy to the veterinary market with a safe and affordable approach that can be used. So all of those pieces really aligned itself in order to say, you know, the light bulb went off. We had all we had it all. And now what can we do in order to really get this out into the field? I love that you noticed that there was an opportunity. And for me, I mean, I'm biased on this, but I, I really have a deep appreciation that you took a deeper look into the veterinary field because you're right, Ashley, what happens is far too often we're having a conversation about a pet having cancer and far too often we're left with very minimal options for this, for this animal. And even though there is a really strong, beautiful, incredible place for veterinary oncology, oncologist in, in veterinary medicine, it's not always the first option that an owner can go with. One, 
that there are a lot of costs that go along with that. And two, they're just not readily available all across the U.S. And so for those two main reasons, when we're talking about one in four dogs getting cancer, for you to really dig into that, even at even at a young age, really, to me, just shows your forward thinking. And, and I'm, I, for one, am very grateful for it. So when you were in, when you were your, when you were at Notre Dame, and you were looking into the possibilities of this, did you have, did you have any moment where you thought to yourself, this is really, I guess, when was the moment when you thought to yourself, wow, this is really possible. I can really do something with this. Yeah. So Notre Dame has this awesome business plan competition and it actually spans almost the entire year. So it's from November until May almost. And what it is, is, you know, you start with what is your problem? What's your technology? What's your solution? Like, how are you going to be able to to do that on a one page document? And that's really where we started this of saying, like, we have this technology we have a huge problem in veterinary medicine and I have a solution, a personalized cancer vaccine that can be affordably created in order to provide another treatment option to veterinary medicine. And then you start doing the deep dive, right? So you start talking to customers. So for me, it was really my first experience talking to veterinarians in order to understand really where, where are the problems here? How many barriers exist to get, you know, to an oncologist in South Bend, Indiana, where we're located, the closest oncologist was three hours south at Purdue or two and a half hours north at Michigan State. So even just in South Bend microcosm alone, there wasn't an oncologist in order to help these pets. So that was such a great opportunity for me to go and talk to these, these doctors, talk to these technicians and really kind of pinpoint, well, what do you do? And it's, well, we remove the tumor and then we wait for it to come back. <laughs> or the pet doesn't come back. And then that to me wasn't a right answer, right? We need to have more and we need to have more options. So kind of throughout the year, it really resulted in us, you know, formulating a business plan of like, okay, well, what does it look like for us to set up a lab? And how would this look? What does our safety testing have to be? How safe do we have to ensure that this product needs to be? What tumor types are this, is this going to be most applicable? And then by the end of the year, we ended up winning second place in the business plan competition we shouldn't have won first but it's okay we could fair. I'll take That's fair. <laughs> but you know and then uh but with that it really was again the catalyst of hey we really have something here and I have the opportunity to make a business what an inspiring story you know I really have to give it to Ashley because when I was in my early 20s I didn't know if I was walking a dog or flying a plane and for her to be able to have this vision of starting this company that would provide life-saving measures for cancer in all types of animals. I mean, to me, that's just amazing. If you want to know more about the drugs that Torgen has or about Ashley herself, go to the website at Torgen.com and look into what they're doing. Or go back and give episode 11 a listen because she really breaks it down in a way that helps us better understand not only where they came from, but where they're going. Ashley, I have no doubt that your company is going to make massive impact. Okay, we're going to kind of stay in the CEO realm, but we're going to switch gears a little bit. Next up, we're going to hear from Dr. Jill Clark, whose career kind of took many different turns. 
as we listen in, we're really going to get a better idea of where she started versus where she's at now. Veterinary medicine wasn't your first career. Is that a correct statement? Correct. Yes. So I was in the film business for film and television for 17, 18 years, something like that, before becoming a veterinarian. Wow. So you started at what age doing that? Well, I was in a movie called Where the Red Fern Grows when I was nine. And um, then after that, I just progressively worked through the industry. I was a production assistant, which just means you run around and get things for people uh, for almost no pay. And then kept working my way up to an assistant director, associate producer, um, and I produced some, a, a movie as well. But yeah, and so it was it was a long journey, but a really exciting time in my life. Wow, to start to start working and to be in a film at nine that that had to have been a really, really just interesting job to to be a part of. I'm curious. We were talking before, and you said something about the reason why you wanted to get that job at the age of nine was for one specific thing. Can you tell me what that is? Was to, to buy a horse. So I came out of the womb, like many people that are horse lovers, just like obsessed with horses. Barbie doll comes in the playpen and it gets flipped out. Pony comes in, stays forever, you know, plush toys. Ponies were like, everybody could get me something like that for Christmas. And um, it just was a passion of mine. We, we weren't farm people. Nobody in my family had anything to do with horses. And I was obsessed. Um, when I was a little kid, I, you had to be five years old or a certain height to start riding. And I made my mother take me every single day to the stable and put, stand up against this little stick to see if I was finally tall enough. And I never was. So I, I started riding when I was five. And I still to this day, I'm, I am riding nearly every day. I mean, it's, it's really the, what, what my passion that keeps me going, I think, in, in all aspects of my life. Jill, I'm wondering, as we, as we talk about this right now, do you feel like at nine, when you just had this urge and this love, or even at five for that matter, for these horses, did you ever think that was going to come into play later in life? So, uh, you know, I think most veterinarians have a moment they remember of when they wanted to be a veterinarian. And, and I think mm-hmm. it must be unique to us, or maybe, maybe MDs do that same thing, but, you know, when we had a, a barn cat that was at our farm and, and one of the horse kicked it and I came out and I went to the vet with the kitty. My parents were like, I don't want to touch the thing. It's so gross. And I was like, he carried my little cat in and they fixed it. And it was like that moment I knew that, that I wanted to be a veterinarian. Now you can really tell by the sound in her voice that she was not horsing around when she decided that she wanted to be a veterinarian. And what an incredible story to go from acting to being a vet. But her story doesn't stop there. She made a bigger decision, even after she became a veterinarian, to take it a step further. Let's listen in as she talks about the next part of her career. So that led on this journey to what else can I do in the profession that helps the profession or helps animals in a greater way than I could do in a practice by myself. And that, that's been my mantra, quite honestly, my guiding light throughout my career outside of practice, which has been, if it doesn't qualify for that, that then I'm not going to do it because I'm, I, I think it's that old guilt kind of like, ah, you know, you got to still be helping animals. But if like today with Ignite, if I can train more people to be capable and competent in what they do in, in their patient care, then I've done more than I could do. And that's thousands of people, then I'm doing way more than I could do in my practice. 
on myself. So that thing is stuck with me and, and probably will always will be with me um, as a way to guide what I do in the space. Uh, the love we have for these animals. Am I right? Okay. So that I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we got to this point now because you mentioned ignite and I'm excited to talk a little bit about that. Did, what lit the fire for ignite? Like what was that moment where you were like, I'm ready to make this step and, and, and do this. Well, I've had um, some really incredible um, fortune being at VCA and starting their corporate university. And they were 25 years old and they didn't have a formal corporate learning university or environment for over 24,000 employees at the time. So we were able to start that from scratch. And um, I'd always been a lover of learning because I know in my own practice, spending time and we had done this a lot when I was in practice we had set times to train our staff so that they knew every Wednesday between 12 and 1 they got some sort of learning deep learning about something either medical or soft skills or whatever it was and it, it paid off big time because they just grew and grew and grew and there was less and less and less that the the practice manager and the veterinarians had to do because the this team that you could delegate, you know, because they grew so, so rapidly. So there was a really big passion of mine. And I was able to do that VCA with all kinds of learners. And I learned things that were great. And I learned things that I totally screwed up. And so when my husband joined another group of people in, in Austin, we moved from Southern California, it kind of opened the door like, well, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to stay doing this remotely, which wasn't necessarily a cool thing at VCA at the time. Or do, what do I do? And a friend of mine, um, Jason Troutwine, he said, so what's holding you back? Like, what is it you really, really want to do? We were over dinner and he, was, and I, he had me describe, like, I was like, oh, Jason, if I could do this thing or retrain people of all job roles, but the, but the learning was specific to them. So we didn't feel like we just cherished the veterinarian, we actually cherished the CSR and wanted it to be helpful for them. Da, da, da. So I, I went through this dinner just fantasizing his, well, why don't you do that? <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, oh, why don't I do that? So it just, it was one of those things that took an outside person to kind of help me create the vision. And then, then that's all I could think about. Like mm -hmm. once we had dinner, I was obsessed with like, Oh my gosh, I got to do this because independent practices don't get a $2 million, $3 million budget to do education for their teams. They're lucky to get whatever they can. And could I create something that would be available to these independents that would let them have that same high quality learning? And So many thoughts come to my mind listening to that clip. One, I'm grateful that her friend Jason Troutline was there to help light that fire that led to starting Ignite. And I'm grateful for my friendship with Jill because... Not only has she made this incredible impact in my life, but she's continuously doing that in our profession in a way that serves a passion for her where she is helping teach and helping get learning opportunities out to veterinary hospitals everywhere. And for me, I, I mean, I, I'm just so thankful for her and for her commitment to Ignite. If you listen back to that episode, she even talks about how she wants to continually continue to focus on being the visionary for Ignite and that she is now given the reins of CEO over to another individual so that she can focus on being the chief visionary officer. Well, 
looks like we're rounding up this episode for optimistic insights around inspirational stories of growth. We look forward to you joining us next week where we focus on the power of looking inward. Again, season two will be starting up soon. We have some amazing people lined up. If you get the opportunity, please go to the podcast, give a like, a follow, maybe share an episode. Every little bit really matters. Like always, I'm extremely grateful for you, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye.